Before I get into the episode, I have to tell you about Making Marketing. It's a weekly conversation with people who are at the front line of innovation and marketing, be it data, brand safety, transparency, relationship with platforms, or emerging markets like cannabis. Some of our recent guests include David Dancer of MedMen, Drogafi's Neil Heyman, and Vimla Bak Gupta of Equinox. Tune in on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Anchor.fm, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Digital Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangal. We held a one-day event in Los Angeles, California, around the future of entertainment. This event is with Rob Gellick, EVP and GM at CBS Entertainment Digital. He talks about making direct-to-consumer work with the subscription service that CBS offers. Listen in. Um, so Rob, great seeing you again. It's been uh, a, a year since we've, almost a year since we've last had a conversation on stage about OTT and direct-to-consumer and what it, all, what it all means and what it all requires. Um, but I was looking at the, the challenge board over there and one of my favorite things that popped up was someone wrote down uh, how much dollar signs, how much money does it take to launch a platform? Mm. Uh, so how much, how much money did it take for all access? <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, I think it all depends on where you're starting from, mm -hmm. right? A lot of the players in the space are evolving from something. So mm -hmm. like we had a really robust kind of catch up full episode service on many platforms already running. And then we, when we launched All Access, our subscription service, we layered it on top of that. So we already had a presence on you know, iPhones and Apple TVs, um, but changing that cost a lot. We, you know, needing a billing system, needing to manage different subscriber states. So it, 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 there is the technology piece. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also something that like, historically, CBS did not have to deal with, right? There, you know, you had middlemen that did distribution. You never had to actually think about like, how do we have customer service for the person paying for our product? Uh, how was that like in terms of just how that impacts the culture of a company? Again, never had to be actually speaking directly to the end consumer in yeah. that fashion at least. Look, it's been four years. Yeah. I feel like we're still part of the transformation. Mm -hmm. um, when we started, we only had a handful of our own networks, like our own network. So all access, for those who don't know, is a combination of live TV and on-demand content. We have 10,000 um, plus hours of content. We have exclusive original series. But we also aggregate all of the local live feeds for CBS around the country. When we launched, mm -hmm. we had the ones we owned and operated. Today, mm -hmm. we have over 200 stations. And that really, that technology didn't exist. So mm -hmm. we went and took basically the broadcast infrastructure and dropped it back in IP so that you could do video streaming of our station nationwide and get the right station in the right market. Mm -hmm. So that's been like a four-year endeavor. To get right, right, that's, that's what I was curious about. Like, uh, uh, when, uh, when did exactly did All Access uh, launch now? How long has it been? It's been four years last week. Last, okay, well, congratulations on that. Thank um, you, thank you. But uh, I, I'd be curious to know, like, this is not as simple as, as flipping on a switch. No. Uh, and as, as far as I understand it, this isn't uh, CBS going to, like, BAMTech or some sort of uh, uh, vendor and saying, Help, help us build this product, you, were, you have done this internally. That's right. So what, what, what is the actual real timeline of doing this? Not just from launch, but like, 
how long did it take to actually build up the infrastructure to say, oh, we, this, this is going to be something that we can actually go to market with? Yeah, I mean, we were, I would say, heads down for a solid year in development. Mm -hmm. And even at that point, we were, I would say that we still use key points of third-party technology throughout the whole solution. Mm -hmm. um, some things we built, we've abandoned, meaning we've gone to a third-party solution that we thought we wanted to do, like our billing system. We had our own billing system when we started. We're like, hey, there's a lot of players in the space doing this extremely well. Mm -hmm. They meet our requirements. We shifted our entire infrastructure over to a third party for that. Mm -hmm. But we've kept key components of what it takes inside the, the core business. And what was, I guess, the thinking behind, whether it's the billing system or other, other parts that you say that you've been more open to working with a third party on? Was it just cost efficiencies? Like, what were some of the driving reasons behind, like, we don't need to do this part, at least, internally? Yeah, I mean, some of it's really obvious. I mean, we're not launching our own CDN, for right. instance. Um, there are some smart companies, and I don't know how tech-interested the whole group is, but, you know, if you're, not, if you're running a video business today and you haven't worked with a company like SidAccess and multiple CDNs, it's like the actual delivery down of packets to the phone and how that technology works, like it's impossible to achieve what is a premium video service in the space today. Mm -hmm. uh, really complicated stuff from when we started is like, hey, you hit play, the stream works, that's great, to like, you know, optimizing down to the individual packets, the most efficient way each one gets to a phone. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a night and day kind of game. So you can get in the space pretty quickly with a pretty lightweight solution. If you want something robust and scales and supports millions of subscribers, you know, it's a whole other level investment. So uh, put that, I guess, into uh, 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 give us a picture on that in the, in the sense of. Uh, most people think of all access, you think of the, the shows, you think of the actual content you're getting. But like, let's, let's hold that off for a second. How many people at, at the company are just focused on the tech side of it, right? Across all the different things that you need to do to make sure this thing is working day in and day out for, for consumers? Yeah, uh, so in the company, yeah. you know, we have, I mean, CBS Interactive as a whole is several thousand people. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a big organization. Um, we're probably the biggest vertical within mm -hmm. the, the group. And I would say that you know, we probably roughly have, you know, a, I would call it a nimble group mm -hmm. of internal folks you know, in the hundreds, just shy of that probably 1,000 mark. Mm -hmm. um, but that includes all functions and all, all teams, plus every other vendor, every other provider has, you know, in some cases, dedicated teams. We have a hybrid for customer care where we have right. like, a group in-house. And then we use a third party to run our call centers in multiple locations, and that you know scales up drastically. So going back to the original question, it's not cheap. Yeah, it's not uh, cheap. Not cheap. Okay, great to know. Um, so uh, moving on from that, in going to direct to consumer, I obviously want to talk about sort of where the industry is right now. Mm -hmm. um, let's just start there in terms of like D2C is now the buzzword, right, uh, uh, f across the board. Uh, what's your take on that? Because at least you guys have been doing this for four years. Yeah. Publicly, you know, at least. It's good everybody is you know, jumping in. We, uh, mm -hmm. It was great that we have such a head start mm -hmm. for us specifically. I think there were a lot of questions when CBS, a broadcaster, said they were going direct to consumer with a premium offer. Um, a lot of people at that time were saying, hey, yeah, we're going to get into the space. Mm -hmm. um, it's taken years for others to kind of follow us. And what it's allowed us to do is get a beachhead, mm -hmm. certainly a strong one here domestically in the US. Mm -hmm 
kind of establish the difference between our persona as you know number one network mm -hmm. versus this premium all access service versus what we do on the Showtime side and how that world all works dynamically together. And then you know our recent kind of you know expansion in international markets. We just launched Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, we're eminently launching in Australia where we bought another network. And so mm -hmm. you know, the strategy is playing out. It's working for mm -hmm. our business. What was a sort of uh, what? helped initially, right? Um, as far as my understanding goes, uh, you had, when All Access launched, you didn't have an, uh, did you have an, an original series for it yet, or did it take some time before you started it coming out? It took some time okay. before we started doing so it. So I'd love to get a sense of like, were there any like initial things that helped um, drive uh, signups and then inev you know, inevitably drive subscriptions uh, to the product before we get to the conversation around, uh, around how original content plays a role in that? Yeah, I mean, I think we really played this dynamic between on-demand content and live mm -hmm. in a way that um, has been extremely valuable. So like at the time we were launching the service and even now, people were questioning the viability of linear mm -hmm. uh, in the space. And what we found is there's so much power in that on-demand kind of like linear, whether that's what we do at the NFL, in the sports arena, you know, or March Madness, any sports for that, for that matter what we do for our big live events like Grammys. Local live news has been phenomenally successful for us. People absolutely turn in for the local station. So our, our premise of saying like, hey, there's value in this localized market content in these big live events totally played well. I think where we've refined our expertise mm -hmm. is when someone's come in, they've watched the game, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Or someone has come in for a specific series, they you know, missed a catch-up window and they want to watch the whole latest season of, you know, Big Bang or one of our hit shows, you know, they can do that within the service and then we keep them there by teasing out other content. Was that a good, actually on that front, was that a good bit of luck uh, in the sense of, um, you know, we talked earlier about how when Disney goes direct to consumer, they're going to pull back a lot of their uh, a lot of their stuff, so they can their movies and TV shows and have it inside of their own service. Uh, some version of that will probably exist in whatever uh, Warner Media kind of rolls out with. Uh, but from my understanding, like CBS was already sitting on just a huge library of programming that you already owned, and we're not really, you know, excessively licensing it out to to other networks, to other distributors. Uh, I'm just curious to know, like, in terms of how much how much of a factor does that play? and having that within your walls in getting people to sign in and, and, and subscribe and, and keep people around as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the library of content that we brought to the table, mm -hmm. whether it's, I mean, probably the best example of that is Star Trek, right. and that franchise, right? Mm -hmm. Hadn't had a new series out for a while. We had some distribution on that specifically, mm -hmm. but our reinvestment in invigorating that brand um, has done phenomenally well, not only for the Ally Access service, but you know for, the popularity of how we leverage that elsewhere. So okay. like international licensing and you know, the rest of the catalog had that same effect. So many great titles, so much history, and a mm -hmm. lot of amazing content. Great, uh, so uh, I definitely want to get into that, uh, the aspect of originals and licensing. Uh, we do have a trailer okay. for, for a new show that you guys are launching. Could we, could we play that uh, really quickly? Yeah. There's no place for that anymore. Everybody on the floor now! 
You and your three friends robbed the jewelry store. You got the wrong guy. The world is angry. I have to do something. Wait, wait, wait. It may rain later. I'll be okay. Cops brought me in. I'm not going down for that. You don't threaten me. Is this wrong? I know. My brother's gotten into some trouble. Put my money. Let him go. Maybe we'll get lucky. We're not lucky people, Anna. Crazy. Everything's a little upside down right now. Why didn't you call for help? I told you! This guy, he's stalking me. You can't do this. You're not the vigilante type. Something going on I don't know about? That's a really good question. That has a really bad answer. Something's wrong. clothing. Fun for the whole family. Um, uh, happy so, Halloween. Yeah. With that, uh, so how many, with, with, tell me a story, how many originals do you guys now have? For so we have six, six that we've produced today, mm -hmm. and we have announced 10 already that were in production. And is that something you guys expect to scale up? Because that's the other thing that uh, we've been talking about, right, in terms of like this, there being this content arms race and this Netflix is continuously spending, spending and spending and it feels like everyone else is kind of ramping up their spend. Like, is that something that you guys are feeling sort of compelled to do more? It's like, okay, more, more, more originals now. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, you, you asked the question, which was, you know, what's really driving subscriptions? And mm -hmm. obviously, not only does it help people understand what the difference between all access and the broader broadcast network is by mm -hmm. you know, building out a deeper set of originals. When we think about all of our programming, we kind of say, oh, well, every show on CBS is an original because mm -hmm. it is when it launches. Mm -hmm. um, and many of our shows are our own shows, meaning produced by the studio, kept in-house. We had a, a, a big infrastructure of that already ready, as you alluded to. Mm -hmm. And so we'll continue to invest in the space. I mean, that Tell Me a Story piece, Kevin Williamson, you know, that Scream, Vampire Diaries, a whole bunch of familiar faces. That's like premium mm -hmm. content at its best. Um, having those anchors to kind of draw people in the service mm -hmm. um, into a platform and a service itself, that balance of investing in the product and the content, mm -hmm. I think that's what you should expect to see from us. So uh, uh, a couple of follow-ups on that. Uh, one, very simply, um, how do you go about, in, 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 a, in a product and experience where anyone has the capacity to unsubscribe anytime, yep. I can come in, watch all of Discovery, yes. watched it, I'm like, okay, I'm out, and I'll wait until the next season and I'll sign up again. How do you, like, what's the answer to that? Is it just, again, putting out more stuff out there? So like, when, when Discovery's over, you get the Twilight Zone. You know, when that's over, you get something else. And that's the only way to keep people around. Like, how, how are you guys looking at that right now? Well, look, I mean, some of it's driven by smart product, mm -hmm. meaning heavily, heavily invested in personalization of the service. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and we look at these kind of key points in someone's journey. So first of all, we have a team that's modeled out the ability that we know the likely behaviors of someone who's a subscriber that they're likely to cancel in a window. And we have a whole bunch of tools and outreach and mechanism that we proactively get to them before they actually go through that frictionless. Could you give an example of like one? Yeah, I mean, we know based on if someone comes in and in a day has binged a certain show, right. we know that, okay, if they have into the subsequent days continued that behavior, we know, you know that sounds like an obvious one, but I'm trying to give an obvious example. Mm -hmm. We definitely have a model that identifies those users and we then have some outreach to them. Mm -hmm. It could be via email, it could be that we send them a text, we could have a, a call to them. We mm -hmm. have like whatever ways we have to engage them to entice them to and stay. And that's proven to be effective in at least reducing as much as you can. Super effective. Okay. You know, there's that moment when you've watched the latest episode of a specific show, like mm -hmm. the stories unfold and maybe you're waiting for the next episode mm -hmm. and we know because we're not necessarily dropping our originals all at once. Mm -hmm. We've been rolling them out like a network show week after week. So people come in, we extend the window by which we can expose them to other stuff. Okay. Um, the other thing, uh, uh, based on sort of the content question, you mentioned like, you know, a lot of the stuff is, it's a high quality, it's not cheap, I, mean, I imagine. Right. Uh, I think some numbers have already been out there in terms of discovery and a few other shows and sort of the costs that, uh, are associated with that. Is that something that is all, that you're looking to do entirely internally? Like what's sort of the, the approach there in terms of, will you go, like, similar to a question uh, that I asked Kevin earlier, like, you know, what's, what's gonna be the balance of like, we're gonna keep stuff in-house, we're gonna build, produce it in-house versus Let's license something from another partner or from another studio. Yeah, I mean, there's, we obviously do do licensing deals as a broader company with mm -hmm. other studios. Um, we do produce a lot of our own programming. Mm -hmm. I think you know right away what you have at your disposal. So mm -hmm. something like we picked up and announced we're doing Twilight Zone, we're rebooting that, that, that series as well. Mm -hmm. um, Keenan Peel, I mean, we have like an amazing franchise coming in that. Mm -hmm. It also happens to fit well with some of the other programs. So some of it's a, a programming jigsaw puzzle of like audiences and where we think there's you know, mm -hmm. appeal and making sure we have the right pieces there. Mm -hmm. um, in other cases, uh, you, know, you wanna have the best stories there and the way that you can do that is either have the legacy like we have at our studio and our development teams, which have been picking and making mm -hmm. great TV for a long time. Mm -hmm. So we have a great track record there, but if you get a pitch from someone else- You would buy a show, show from another studio. Buy a show, yeah. Uh, economically, I'd be curious to know, like, uh, very famous thing with, with Discovery, right? You guys, uh, it's an all access show, but it's an all access show here, mm -hmm. uh, and it's available on Netflix uh, uh, in other markets. Right. What was the thinking behind approaching it that way instead of it just being like, it's only gonna be available on Al Access no matter where you are? I mean, at that point, we hadn't launched internationally. Mm -hmm. um, you have an existing business that is uh, run by Armando Nunez, who's mm -hmm. the president of our international licensing business, mm -hmm. who has buyers that see shows that they can't pass out. Mm -hmm. And so there's always this balance of, and I think it was discussed earlier, you know, do you go after the licensing money right. as a studio that's produced this amazing thing, or do you hold that so that you can build longer, long-standing value direct-to-consumer? In the U.S., mm -hmm. obviously, we've made our, this is where our beachhead has been. Mm -hmm. That flow of content in is staying here and being offered in our service. So, uh, but as you, as you continue to expand all access out mm -hmm. globally, you said Australia, right? And I imagine, you know, ideally, there's more countries that you, know, you guys hope yeah. to kind of expand into. 
Uh, do you see that being impacted with future programming? Like maybe with the current slate or the stuff that's already been out, it's been different. But like yeah. in two years, let's say All Access is in 25 countries, are you more likely then to be like, no, we're going to keep this with, with us instead of trying to find, you know, selling it to Netflix or, 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 or some other platform uh, globally? Yeah, like that, it's, it's always a business discussion. Mm -hmm. But you, we launched in Canada earlier this year. We have three of our originals are up. Mm -hmm. This Tell Me a Story is going to be dropped as part of that service that's out there. We're launching by the end of the year Australia. You should expect to see a number of our originals mm -hmm. in there too. Great. Uh, we have a few minutes left. Uh, I wanted to ask you this, like, over the, uh, over the years that you guys have been doing this and you've built out, I think it's, on last check it was over five million across both uh, All Access and, and, and Showtime in terms of subscribers. What's like, it might be the same, the same answer, but like what's the hardest thing that you, you did not expect out of, out, of do, out of going direct to consumer? Like was there anything that like, ah oh, crap, like this sucks? I mean, honestly, is getting to where we wanted to be as quickly as we could mm -hmm. and you know, waiting for a deal to unwind on a licensing deal or managing what is the ever-changing landscape always is uh, and has had many challenges for us. Like mm -hmm. You could say, if we're looking back years ago, like what would our Amazon relationship be? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, this could be really troublesome. Like a huge advertiser, we're even doing some co-pro on content with them. Yeah. You know, where are we going to be today? You know, we're distributed for Amazon channels. Mm -hmm. We still have, you know, our Fire TV app. Mm -hmm. They sell our content on EST. Mm -hmm. We have like a deep advertising relationship between the company. Like, I would say, like, while understanding that you're going to put a risk on one of these platforms on our distribution, whether that's going to pay off or not, mm -hmm. that's been the biggest challenge. We've been lucky enough that we've had great success in those big gambles. Well, I, you know what? To, to follow up on that, like, what's what's your current take on Amazon? Because it's, I mean, they, I, I'm not the first one to say it. Like, they're growing like crazy within sort of the broader OTT environment between the channels program and all the different things that they do. Uh, you just said you give a lot of uh, uh, many different ways to partner with them. Yeah. Uh, how big are they for you guys in terms of subscribers, distribution, like just you know all the things that they seem to be providing right now? Yeah, so in terms of us specifically, I can't give the, the breakout. Sure. I mean, they're, they're a strong player in the space if you mm -hmm. look at them versus you know, Apple, Google, and, and themselves. I mean, they're, they're all doing great mm -hmm. for us. And channels itself, they have a great transactional model. They have mm -hmm. these long-standing billing relationships. I think they, there was a conversation about it earlier today. Mm -hmm. It's really easy for someone to add all access to that without having to you know, go through, sign up, re-register, put in new billing information like it is that we have to earn when we do that directly. Mm -hmm. And so you know, as long as they keep making that available as part of the sign up, it's going to be great. But is, it, uh, is there any, ever any concern like, well, maybe they have a little bit too much control of the OTT distribution ecosystem? You know, in the same way that we've talked about platforms within the ad market as well. Like, is that, is that ever a concern right now? Because it seems like they're... Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing for us as a product in the product world is mm -hmm. making sure that in their own channels, they keep up with everything that we're doing. Okay. So it's not just like dropping a new show. Mm -hmm. So for instance, we announced in our eminently launching like a new 24-7 channel mm -hmm. as part of our service on the Entertainment Tonight franchise. It'll mm -hmm. be ET e Live. Mm -hmm. And so we've already launched, if you've kept up with CBS, we have the live local channel. You can switch to Sports HQ, which is 24-7 sports. Mm -hmm. You can switch to CBSN, right. which is 24-7 news. Now we're doing an entertainment vertical. So making sure that those partners that are offering 
through your service are just keeping pace is one of the things that you know, I hope they can continue to do. Great. Final question really quickly. Uh, we've heard reports about uh, uh, Apple building a channels-like program. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Roku seems to be working on that. Uh, do you see that as, as, a, uh, as an opportunity? What's your take on sort of potentially having more distribution sources within within, I guess, a very increasingly complicated OTT <laughs> landscape. Look, it's way, it's way more complicated than it was. Yeah. I think we, um, obviously, with the launch of All Access, we've showed we're not timid about trying mm -hmm. new partnerships and new distribution. I mean, totally welcome those other players to come in this space. And I think it's just more opportunity for everyone who engages with them. Great. Well, Rob, this is great. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it, man. It's always great. It. All right. Thank you all for listening. I'm Aditi Sango. Did you like the show? Rate us and leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you get this podcast. We're also on Spotify now. You can also write to me or tweet at me. I'm at Aditi Sango or Aditi at I'll be back soon with another episode. Stay tuned.